We read today from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So what did you do the last time you saw need? What makes you decide how to respond to need on any given day? Maybe the need is in the guy at the intersection where the traffic light cycles are long. Maybe it's in a solicitation for funds from a not, for a nonprofit. Maybe it's in a church newsletter asking for help with a ministry to the sick or the imprisoned. On any given day, we see need, and we might decide on any given day to say yes or no or not at this time. Now, I'm guessing that everyone who is worshiping with us this morning has said yes, probably often. I'm guessing that for most of us, as we make our choices, we're thinking about this passage from Matthew. Doesn't it go through your head? Every time you're sitting at the stoplight at that intersection, I was hungry and you gave me food. You want to be the sheep on the right and not the goat on the left. But giving is a risk. It makes us vulnerable. Maybe sometimes we say no because we're afraid. 
Afraid we won't have enough. Afraid we'll get hurt. Afraid we'll get played. No one likes to be played. So on some days we keep our distance. I know that I have. Some days I drive away or throw away the solicitation or turn the page of the newsletter. We all do. We say no. Even though saying no sometimes leaves us feeling a little less than our best selves. More goat than sheep. We hope that on another day we might feel wealthier or braver or more likely to say yes. Choosing how we respond to those in need can feel a little like moving up and down the ladder of who we hope to be. Speaking of ladders, have you ever heard of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Let me say, I know that Maslow's thinking has been revised and even in some circles discredited since Maslow first proposed the hierarchy in 1943. In fact, one blogger who describes himself with unflinching confidence as a thought leader declares, if you hear in the 21st century someone refer to Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a descriptive or predictive model of human needs and wants, then feel free to dismiss that someone as someone who has no idea what she's talking about. I pause to give you time to dismiss me. If you're still here, Maslow's original idea was that human needs stack up in a kind of pyramid. And people have to fill the needs at the bottom of the pyramid before they can attend to those at the top. At the bottom are things everyone needs to survive. Food, water, shelter. Unless you're secure in these, it's difficult even to think about higher needs. Moving up the pyramid, these higher needs are safety and security, then love and belonging, then self-esteem, then finally, self-actualization, becoming your fullest, best self. Now imagine applying that hierarchy to this passage from Matthew. In effect, the passage begins at the bottom of the pyramid, I was hungry and you gave me food. As it continues, we move up and down the pyramid. Needing care and sickness sounds like level two, health equals safety. A stranger might need shelter, level one, or safety, level two, or a sense of belonging, level three. Visiting a prisoner might address that prisoner's level three need for love or the level four need for self-esteem. And if your visit encourages the prisoner to think about a sense of purpose or direction, you might even be addressing level five. But lest a thought leader dismiss me, let me talk a little bit about revisions to Abraham Maslow's thinking. In later years, he explained that the hierarchy of needs isn't rigid. It's not a straight upward climb. A person might sacrifice in one area of need to fill another. We all know the phrase starving artist. And a person who has climbed all the way to self-actualization still needs food and clothing and shelter. One need interpenetrates another. And needs can be difficult to tease apart. 
And so, for that matter, can the needy. Have you ever wondered, who are the least of these? If everyone in the parable is either a sheep or a goat, choosing how to respond to need, then where do the needy come from? Is there another flock somewhere? A bunch of unidentified members of the family Bovidae waiting around for the sheep and goats to say yes or no? I have heard people who do mission work complain about the phrase, the least of these. The mission team is framed as the helpful folks at God's right hand, and the people being visited are the least of these. As though there is one group free to choose whether to respond to need and some other inferior group that can only be needy. And yet the text says, that all nations, meaning all people, will be gathered before the Son of Man. All people are in one group. There will only be one flock. So the least of these must be sheep or goats themselves. That means that whatever their needs, the least of these also have something to give. And every sheep and goat has needs of its own. If there is no real hierarchy of need, there is also no real hierarchy of the needy. Just as one need interpenetrates another, every member of the flock is made up of interpenetrating selves, and those selves are hard to tease apart. Not even the sheep are so good all the time. Did you hear that in the Ezekiel text today, where those fat sheep come up for judgment? We are all of us, sheep and goats, and least of these, all at the same time. Well, the trouble with being all of them is that we may not be happy being any of them. On a day when we choose not to respond to someone in need, we don't feel like our best selves. We think about this parable. We know where we stand, and it is not good. A friend of mine once referred to the day that he would face judgment as the day when God presses the goat lever. Or maybe on a day when we do respond to someone's need, we question ourselves, did we do enough? Was our service acceptable to God? Or was there within that choice some sense of pride, and would that be a sin? Regardless of our choices, we always find room for self-criticism. Probably we spend most of our time worrying about whether we're sheep or goats, but we are also the least of these, not just in need, but desperate. On the days when we realize that, we don't even feel like we belong to the flock. The only thing greater than our need is our shame. We don't want anyone to see us. And yet, that is the very moment when Jesus points to us, inviting the other sheep and goats to look at us. Look over there, he says, that's me. At the moment when we are at our most needy, our most desperate, that is the moment when we are most identified with Jesus Christ. And if people won't come close enough to us to see it, well, perhaps being identified with and loved 
by Jesus Christ can make us brave enough to come toward them and confess our need. And who knows, that might make it easier for them to come toward us. I want to go back to something in the parable. It's the visit to the prisoner, where the text doesn't actually say, you visited me. Translated literally, it says, you came toward me. Coming toward a person feels like more than a visit. Coming toward someone is moving into another person's physical or emotional space where you might be confronted, surprised, challenged, embraced. You might even in some way become one with them. Of course, that's a risk. As you come toward someone, you become vulnerable to them. You might worry that you're not enough. You might get hurt. You might get played. When our brother Robert Wolfe was working as the Moravian chaplain in our local jail, he told me that sometimes an inmate would fib his way into a privilege such as an extra phone call. Robert shrugged that off. He said, if I don't get played now and then, I'm not getting close enough to these guys. Who has come toward you in their need? And have you responded by coming toward them? When have you yourself been in need? And have you been able to come toward another to ask for help? What do you think it might feel like to come toward another, whether friend or stranger, in a way that risks your becoming, even for a moment, one? I think it might have happened to me in a surprising way a couple of weeks ago. Since the pandemic began, Bill and I have been shopping for groceries at 7 a.m. when the store is mostly empty. We few customers move quickly up and down the aisles, stepping wide of each other and not meeting anyone's eyes. There's something about face masks that makes me reluctant to look at anyone. It feels like we're all supposed to pretend we can't see each other. But on this morning, a couple of weeks ago, a woman in the aisle, a stranger, different from me, young and African-American, surprised me with a cheerful, good morning. I paused and greeted her. We exchanged pleasantries. As we moved on in our separate directions, I was smiling under my mask. It had felt good to be greeted by someone. I had not realized how much I was hungry for pleasant interactions with strangers, once a normal part of every day. After talking to that young woman, I felt fed. When I encountered her in another aisle, I came toward her, and I said, I just want to thank you for speaking to me. You made me realize how little people speak to each other anymore since we've put these face masks on. It really brightened my day to hear someone say hello. And she answered, I've decided I want to be more outgoing. I'm quite sure that under our masks, we were both smiling. It was a simple thing that she did, saying good morning. Yet it was a risk for her, 
And it seemed to fill a need for both of us, a need we might not be able to place on any one part of Maslow's hierarchy. Food for the soul, a place to belong, a moment of being our best selves. For a simple gesture, it felt pretty high up on the scale. Now, I don't want this to be one of those easy listening sermons that suggests that all God requires of us is to say good morning to strangers in grocery stores. On the other hand, I don't think we should underestimate our current hunger for simple human contact. In this era of separation, we feel more acutely than ever our one real need, which is to come toward one another. One flock, one shepherd, one real need to come toward each other. Everything else flows from those first brave steps. This is Christ the King Sunday, the end of the church year, when we celebrate the immense power of an almighty God. We hear that power in this parable. The king has the power to judge our behavior and determine our eternal fate. Yet, next Sunday, first Sunday of Advent, we will be reminded of what that power really looks like. The king comes toward us as a child, small, helpless, needy, least of these. Just as needy as we might be on any given day, bravely, God comes toward us. Bravely let us come toward God by coming toward one another in our need. Amen.